Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. 611 on Wisconsin's Morning News this Monday morning. Eric, what's the worst thing you can do in the journalism business? Not respond to an email? (laughs) (laughs) Said the guy who's in charge of some people. Yes, okay. All right, there's that. There are a number of things that you can't do, right? Miss a deadline is a big one. That's right up there, and that's exactly where I'm going. I mean, obviously, you can't be wrong on information Mm, or misrepresent things or whatever, but a tenant of, particularly in broadcast and print as well, your deadline is your deadline is your deadline. Can't miss your deadline. Well, our guy Jason Smith, I'm going to call him out, but just because it's funny. Jason had an unfortunate learning incident because he is uh, still a senior over at UWM, and we've been using him. He's one of our favorite guys here, does great work, but he's been doing our fish fry reports. Mm -hmm. And the other week, I think it was the week you were off. Correct. And he was supposed to come in with the fish fry report, and something had happened. I'll tell you what it was, and it's relatively benign. But you know when you get a text message and it just shows up on your on your preview screen before you open it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and it's like the first couple of lines. Yeah, it's just the first couple of lines. Yeah. So he was supposed to be on the show later in the morning, and I get this text at 5.06 a.m. What's up, Vinny? Huge screw up on my end. And then the facepalm emoji. I went to Left's Lucky Town in Tosa, but as I... And then it cut off there! <laughs> And I'm like, what happened? What happened to And I'm like, are you still there? <laughs> are you trapped? Did you wake up outside somewhere? Right. Do you not know where you are? Are you at someone's house? Are you trapped? You don't know where you All Maybe. I remember was I was at Lefts, and now, I'm, now I don't I know don't where. I don't know where. Well, I mean, it turned out Lefts was the restaurant that he was going to feature on the fish the fry. The fish fry. He went there, and all the video he recorded, gone. Oh, that's All awful. his interviews, all his stuff, he like had done a phone update and it yeah. screwed up everything and he like, like I'm on the cloud, I'm trying to pull this stuff off the cloud, but it wasn't happening and it turned out to be no big deal and again, like, I'm not throwing him under the bus because he missed it, just because that text, all I saw <laughs> Yo Vinny, I went to Lefts and dot, 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 dot and that's not probably the first time that's been texted to someone. <laughs> hey, listen, I messed up. I was at Lefts last night and and? <laughs> and what? But all's well that ends well. And uh, looking forward to Jason's graduation and his and his continued employ with us here at WTMJ. Brandon's got sports coming up next. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. After 10 days and nine games to start their season, the Milwaukee Brewers are the best team in the National League. Raise your hand if you had that on your bingo card. After only producing five hits on Saturday night, the Brewers were led by Willie Adamas and Christian Yelich, and they helped bring out the offense and the cheesehead. Christian Yelich, first pitch swinging. It's a drive to center. O'Neill is back at the track. It is gone! Yelich's first blast of the season. He's got three hits today, and the Brewers lead it 4-1. to one. Jeff Levering on the call right here on WTMJ as the Brewers go on to take care of those annoying St. Louis Cardinals for the win and the series win, defeating them by a final of 6-1 to one to win the early series two games to one, Freddie Peralta did get the start and the win, and he was amazing. Going six strong innings, 
allowing only one earned run and striking out seven on his way to his second victory of the season. Next up for the Brewers is a 10-day West Coast road trip beginning tonight in Arizona. First pitch is scheduled for 840. Over to the NBA, the number one seed Milwaukee Bucks wrapped up their regular season with a loss in Toronto on Sunday afternoon, 121 to 105. Bobby Portis led the scoring for the Bucks with 16. Giannis was one of seven players who did not suit up for the Bucks as the team now looks ahead to a hopeful playoff run after clinching the top seed. Credit to the players um, to finish the season the way they did, to have, um, you know, I think us improve in a lot of areas. You know, our defense is something that we hang our hat on. And um, individually, a lot of guys, you know, played well, collectively played well. Um, and now it's, you know, time to get ready for, uh, for the postseason. Coach Bud there following the loss in Toronto, Milwaukee, will begin their postseason on Sunday April 16th, their opponent is yet to be determined as they await the winners of the NBA play-in tournament. And finally, over to golf. Following some ugly weather over the course of Friday and Saturday that saw canceled play, and starting the day four shots back on Brooks Kepka, John Rahm used a 30-hole marathon finish on Sunday to storm back and win the 87th Masters Tournament by four shots with the victory in Augusta. Rahm secures his second major title and now officially moves into the number one spot in the world. All the makings of a blockbuster. That story next on Wisconsin's Morning News. Six twenty-two on Wisconsin's Morning News. So the new Mario movie is out. Eric in a moment has some staggering box office numbers. Come on, Mario! Our big adventure begins now! I can't believe it. So this is the story of Super Mario <laughs> Just and a video Luigi. Game. <laughs> there it is. And Princess Peach yeah. at L. Yeah, all, all of them. Bowser's in it, too. Now, they did a Mario movie a long time ago that was a flop, right? Yes. Or it, it was, was bad. I like Bob Hoskins was in it. Just it was to, live action. Yes, people. and it was not good. So this is cartoon animation, uh, like computer animation. Mm-hmm. And it's breaking records. Oh, I got this. The Super Mario Brothers movie has posted the biggest global opening in history for an animated film, surpassing Frozen 2 with $377 million since Wednesday. $204.6 million of that is domestic earnings, nearly $80 million more than it was expected to make. How about that? Huh? $80 million more <laughs> than expected. So what we're trying to figure out is where is this coming from? Are we just... In a, in a desert of awesome movies at the moment, where this is just the first one in a while that people are excited about. This is as good as it gets, Mario. I can't, right. I can't figure it out because my kids, all three of them, separately have made comments about wanting to see this movie in the theater, which is just a little bit unique for them. I asked Brynn about it. She's 11. You told me you wanted to see the Super Mario movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because I like Mario Kart. All right, so there it is. because of Mario Kart, maybe a little bit more. Because we never really go to movies. We only occasionally will go to a movie, and you specifically asked me to take you to this movie. And Eli and Noah. Well, yeah, they said something, too, so I'm, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Why this movie? Because it seems good. Yeah. Like the trailer seems exciting. <laughs> Ooh, exciting trailer. <laughs> seems exciting. You know, Greg had made a comment that the movie actually looks like the game. Like, so all the games, it almost feels like you're in the action. Right. And like all of the elements of the game are part of the yeah. story. Yes. Uh, Max Vetrano, our uh, tech and gaming correspondent mm-hmm. here on Wisconsin's Morning News, seems to agree with Bryn. 
So are you optimistic this is a good film? Because you're a huge Mario fan. Uh, I'm sort of mid, because the studio that makes it is known for making absolute garbage. But like, it actually looked pretty good from the trailers that I saw. Is there precedent? What about the previous Mario film or films? It is universally considered an absolute travesty. This is the live action with the two dudes? Yeah, and it everyone likes it because it's so absolutely awful that like it is absolutely hilarious. But the hope is that this is actually good? I believe that is the hope. What are your hopes? I hope that it's good. I hope that it's a fun movie. Is it gonna be? I sure hope so, but there's no real telling with these, honestly. What story would be told here? I'm really not sure, honestly, because there was a lot of Princess Peach in the trailers, like a lot more than I feel like there would have been if it was just like she gets kidnapped at the start. So I'm not completely sure what on earth the story is going to be. What do you want it to be? I have no idea, honestly. I feel like they could do just about any story with this because like they probably can't go with the original Mario formula because that's just such a shallow plot. Or like there was a plot at the beginning where Princess Peach is kidnapped and there's a plot at the end. She gets saved and Bowser is beaten, but there's nothing. Whoa, spoiler. <laughs> well, there's nothing that happens in the middle of that for like a complicated story. So it'd be hard to do a direct adaptation of anything. So there you have it from Max Vitron. All right. So RottenTomatoes.com. How do we do? Audience members say 96%. Critics say 56%. Well, That's about right. It's nowhere near as thrilling as Turtle Tipping Your Way to 128 Lives. The Super Mario Brothers movie is a colorful, I, albeit thinly plotted, <laughs> animated adventure that has about as many Nintendos as Nintendos, as Nintendon'ts. Not sure what that means. Ah, you see, you get it? Nah. Okay. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, it sounds like it's just not much of a plot. It's a lot of stuff going on. But see, this is back to the argument we were having even about the Oscars. It's like, what's a good movie? A movie that everybody goes to and just enjoys watching? Or does it have to be, like, strange and weird or something uh, like that? It, well, it doesn't right? have to be strange and weird, but, it, you know. Does I, it I, have to take you on some existential journey or can't you just go there and enjoy so you're suggesting that Super Mario Brothers should go up for an Academy Award? Yes, Academy Award, <laughs> and I haven't even seen it yet. <laughs> Wahoo! Paradise, but we do have two tickets. Want to send you to a show this spring at Milwaukee Repertory Theater. God of Carnage opens this weekend at the Rep. God of Carnage is a play that is set in Brooklyn with two sets of parents that are that are meeting to discuss an injury that's happened to one of their children, and it's caused by the other uh, the other couple's child. In the course of uh, espresso and clafuti and a lot of alcohol. Uh, it starts off as a civil conversation that turns into um, kind of a big battle royale where the masks come off and the id comes out. That's the director of the show, Ryan Quinn, a comedy, God of Carnage, Tony Award-winning play. This issue probably resonates with a lot of people, right? Parents talking out something that happened between their kids. Sounds pretty relatable, right? Oh, yeah. Kid comes home telling a story. Well, this kid did this to me. You've had that conversation, right? You're like, 
I don't know. Like, do we call the parent? We don't even know them. Right, right. And you know, is my kid making this up a little right. bit or emphasizing Did something? It really, if it really happened exactly as my kid said, that's pretty bad. We should probably talk to them. But maybe it didn't. And then if I call, then am I that parent? Like, <laughs> your kid did this to my kid. You know, like, I don't want to be that. Oh, man. So you debate back and forth. So that's, that's what the show is about. So these parents have it out. And again, director Ryan Quinn says things, things don't go well. It, I think it's so funny when we watch people um, who are these like civilized adults start to act like children, right? That big question of um, who are we going to be when we grow up and we end up being actually the, the three and four and five-year-old selves at the, at the very end of it. And I think it's just so funny to, to watch that happen. They say it's funny. The show is God of Carnage, opens this weekend at Milwaukee Repertory Theater, and we've got Two tickets for caller number five. Some seating and show restrictions do apply. Two tickets for God of Carnage. Caller number five on the old National Bank talk and text line, 855-616-1620, gets the pair. Talk to Greg Pancake Hill, producer of the program, to get the tickets. 643 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The Milwaukee Bucks wrapped up their regular season run on Sunday afternoon, losing to the Toronto Raptors by a final of 121-105. to Bobby Portis led the scoring for the Bucks with 16, and Jay Crowder added 13. The Bucks will now wait to find out who their first-round playoff opponent is this week, with their first game scheduled for Sunday, April 16th. The time is yet to be determined. Despite some weather delays and cancellations, John Rahm stormed back on Sunday after a 30-hole marathon to finish and win the 87th Masters Tournament by four shots over Brooks Kepka. And to the Diamond, where the Milwaukee Brewers took the game and the series from the St. Louis Cardinals by a final of 6-1. Willie Adamas had a big day, going 3-4, for four, batting in three runs with a solo homer. And Freddie Peralta was masterful once again, going six strong innings allowing only one run and striking out seven batters on his way to his second win. Next up for the Brewers is a 10-day West Coast road trip beginning tonight in Arizona. It's time for Extra Points, a sports opinion commentary on Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's Brendan Snide. After nine games and 10 days, the Milwaukee Brewers are the best team in the National League. Let's have some honesty here. Raise your hand if you had that one penciled in on your Brewers bingo card. Let me start out by acknowledging and reaffirming what I just said. I know it has only been a week and a half. However, how many of you, including myself, really saw this start by the Brew Crew to begin their 2023 season? Series wins against the Cubs and the Cardinals, both teams I hate, along with a clean sweep of the highly talented New York Mets. The storylines, too, have, well, they've been interesting to say the least. The freshmen, as they're being called, consisting of Garrett Mitchell, Joey Weimer, and Bryce Strain, have quickly turned into household names throughout Milwaukee and Wisconsin. Freddie Peralta looks like he could be an early season Cy Young candidate. Christian Yelich, who, let's be honest, he's under the most scrutiny going into 2023. He has reached base safely in all nine of the games to start his comeback campaign. The offense is putting the ball in place, something we didn't see over the last two years with runners in scoring position, playing a little bit of small ball in Milwaukee. And speaking of Sion, the former Sion winner, Corbin Burns, he struggled a bit. But the team, they've stuck together. The players have spoken numerous times about the closeness in the clubhouse that this team has brought into this season, even bringing the Packers cheesehead in for their home run celebrations. And lastly, the bullpen 
Looks like it could be a strong point this season, going against what most thought in going into the season, including myself. I was in attendance Saturday, and it was probably the free Giannis jersey. Let's let's be honest that they were given away, but the lines were packed, and the energy in the stadium was palpable. To put it simply, folks are excited about the early outlook in Milwaukee. So, is this just a fun run to begin the season, or is this a team that can compete in the National League Central? By the early routine returns, this team, given good health, will be in contention all season long. It should be a fun and energetic summer in Milwaukee. The bottom line, the vibes are good. And yes, it is early. And yes, winning in April doesn't mean anything. But it certainly helps. Coming up on 6.52 on this Monday morning, and this morning, fallout for the state Supreme Court election here in Wisconsin still being measured. Wisconsinites handed the liberal pro-choice candidate a decisive win. It flips the ideological balance of our court from conservative to liberal. Since overturning Roe v. Wade less than a year ago put abortion access sort of back on the ballot, it's certainly changed the political landscape in states like Wisconsin. ABC News political analyst Steve Roberts is with us from Washington this morning. I'm glad we have you, Steve. First time we had a chance to talk since the outcome of the election. You know, the lens I'm looking at this is conservatives finally got what they have wanted for 50 years. They battled for it. They fought for it. Roe v. Wade was overturned. But now we have a state like Wisconsin, traditionally a swing state. Did it possibly render GOP candidates, at least in the short term, unelectable statewide? I don't know about unelectable because, look, every race is differently uh, different. But does it uh, prove? Is it clearly proving to be a problem for Republicans not only in Wisconsin but other st- swing states around the country? The answer is clearly yes. I think a lot of analysts, including me, underestimated the enduring impact of the Dobbs decision, because it wasn't just that it energized women who, um, particularly younger women of childbearing age, who saw uh, a looming threat to their own independence uh, and the ability to control their own reproductive system, but it was symbolic of a larger issue. This notion of uh, Republican politicians and Republican judges um, veering to the right, not just on this issue, but on other issues as well, LGBTQ rights and same-sex marriage and issues of that kind. Uh, and it, it uh, sort of uh, spotlight the, uh, the core Democratic argument, which is, see, we told you Donald Trump and his minions are a threat. Look, the, the energy on the Democratic side does not come from loving Joe Biden. It comes from fearing and loathing Donald Trump. And this issue is powerful in and of itself, but it also has this larger symbolic meaning, which has given Democrats a real uh, cause for energizing their base. Talking with ABC News political analyst Steve Roberts. So what is the GOP to do then, Steve? Because uh, you have some state party leaders here in Wisconsin saying, well, we, we don't have a we don't have a platform issue. It's not the issue. It's just we didn't sell it right. We didn't talk about it right. We need to change our messaging. I don't know that that's enough. Well, I don't think so, because, look, you look at the polls and they're very, very clear. Is it is it true that a hardcore of uh, conservatives are very pleased with the reversal of Dobbs? They remain fervent, uh, pro-life on abortion. That's true. But there's a larger political problem for the Republicans, which is that 
group is not going to win elections, and they're not going to win elections in state uh, swing states like Wisconsin. It takes, in addition to the base, a, a second layer of somewhat more moderate swing voters, many of them women, many of them young moms, and, and that's the problem in Wisconsin. It's the problem in Michigan. It's the problem in Pennsylvania. The problem in Virginia and North Carolina and Arizona, uh, the states that are up for for grabs nationally, and um, this is the great problem facing the Republicans. How do you keep the base of your party happy with purebred conservative ideas and reach beyond that base? Uh, and in the last election, that proved to be very difficult. It proved to be difficult in 2020. It proved to be difficult in a lot of states in 2022 in states like Pennsylvania. Um, and this is the great fear that a lot of Republican strategists have about Donald Trump. He can keep the base happy. He can keep the pro-life uh, movement very happy. But can he reach beyond that base to the swing voters who decided that judgeship election in Wisconsin? That, that uh, result has got us, I'm sure it has, some shivers of concern uh, right through the ranks of smart Republicans who say, this is the future. Uh, this is a potential future for us in swing states like Wisconsin because uh, we keep the base, but we're not moving beyond it. And that's the that's political death if you can't do that. ABC News political analyst Steve Roberts with us on this Monday morning. Thanks, Steve. Interesting perspective. Anytime. Sure. You know, we look at Eric. I, I, what I'm surprised we haven't seen polling. I mean, maybe it's just a little bit too soon. I know. Um, newsroom talked with uh, Charles Franklin over at Marquette University Law School and the, and the polling on that, but you know it had to be a majority issue driving people to the polls. And we talked about the new registrations in the state as well. I even saw it where where I vote, where typically it's pretty high voter turnout. I saw people registering to vote on that day. Hard issue though, if you if you are in your heart a pro life conservative, right, and that's what you believe. And that's what, say, you're in a pro-life district as opposed to statewide, just where you go. The people there elected you to be pro-life as you say you were. What are you supposed to do then? Just compromise on your values and what you believe is right on what the people there sent you to do? Like it's, a, it's, it's not an easy question of, well, we'll just pivot our position, right, right? Right. especially for something that's deeply personal like the abortion issue. It's a tough equation for the GOP. But to date, I don't think they've figured it out. 